Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. If you have your Bibles today, I want to ask you to take them and open them with me to Psalm 23 for this morning's message and for our time together here today. I realize we are literally in the heart of summer. We've got about a month left before school takes place. I know that's a sad moment and a sad announcement for kids, but we're in the heart of summer right now. And if you've been on vacation or missed us at some point, we're in right now the smack dab middle of a sermon series on the 23rd Psalm called The Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. There's no doubt that Psalm 23 is likely the most quoted chapter in all of the Bible. Even in the past few weeks, as I have been in some memorial services and I've been in some weddings, every single one of those environments have referenced in some capacity this chapter of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. There is much that God wants to teach us from this this illustration of the Lord being the good shepherd and us being his sheep. There's all sorts of images in the Bible that God uses to depict his relationship to us, from that of a father to his children, that of a groom to the bride. We understand that Jesus is the head of the body of Christ, and we see those illustrations throughout Scripture, and even still today, we easily grasp them. But one of the illustrations he uses to describe his love and care for us is that he is not only the shepherd, he's the good shepherd, and we, as his children, we, as his followers, are the sheep of his pasture. But there's a lot about that that we miss. Most of us haven't been around sheep in our lifetime. Most of us didn't grow up on a sheep farm, nor do we take care or manage sheep today. But I believe there's much that God wants to teach us and to explain to us about us being sheep belonging to the good shepherd. Now today, as we open God's word and as we dive into it, if you're joining us for the first time, I'm gonna share straight from scripture, but I'm also gonna share several statements from the writings of a guy by the name of Philip Keller. Philip Keller was a shepherd who also became a pastor, and he's written some beautiful works about the shepherd and his sheep. I'm also gonna share several personal stories and and illustrations of my own life experiences where I grew up on a small hobby farm in Alabama where we had sheep, and even still today, right here in Rockingham County, there's sheep in my backyard. There's a lot there from those illustrations that I believe God wants to teach us. As we begin, I wanna ask you a question. It's very simple, but its answer can be quite profound. And that is this. Right now in your life, Are you walking down the shepherd's path? Are you in line with the path that the good shepherd has been leading you? Are you following him in the steps that you should take? Or are you like many of us at times in our life, you've gotten off the path. You've lost sight of the shepherd. Maybe you're here today in hopes of getting back on the right path. Are you truly on the shepherd's path? The truth of the matter is today, we all understand what it means to be on a good path. But the fact is, is that knowing the right path is entirely dependent upon the right source. Let me illustrate that for just a moment ago. I remember a few years ago now, we had some friends who were coming to visit somewhere in the Valley area. They weren't coming all the way to Harrisonburg, but they were coming to Stanton for a sporting event. And they called and said, hey, 
We're gonna be in Stanton on this night. Is there any way possible we could get together for a meal, for dinner or something? And I looked at our schedule and I said, well, actually, we're gonna be in another part of Stanton for a basketball game that night, but maybe we can meet up somewhere in the middle and have a meal for about an hour. And so we made plans to do that. I remember going to this sporting event. I believe it was Gracie who was with me at this time. And as we left the sporting event, we realized we only had to go about 12 miles to meet this couple kind of midway to enjoy a meal together. So doing what most of us would do, I grabbed my phone, I looked up Google Maps, I typed in the address, and sure enough, I pushed start. After all, Google Maps can never be wrong. (laughs) Or so I thought. And so we began to make our way. And I remember looking at the route and thinking, man, there's a few roads here. I haven't even, I don't, I'm pretty sure I haven't driven on these before. And so I began to follow and I drove a quarter of a mile and I turned right. And then I drove a half a mile and I turned left. And before you know it, I found myself on a road looking at it, getting ready to turn. And even as we turned, I think it was Gracie. Gracie looked at me and was like, dad, are you sure about this? Absolutely. Google Maps is always right. We turned down the path and we began to drive and we're driving and the asphalt became gravel and the gravel became dirt. And then as we're driving, it was like, all right, and a quarter of a mile turn left. And I'm thinking, we're in the middle of nowhere. I finally turned left and we went down the edge of this drive. And as God is my witness, I think this is where a road used to be. If there, I don't remember seeing a single sign. We drove and all of a sudden we came to a dead end. And in front of us was an old abandoned cabin. And Gracie's looking at me and I'm looking at her and the only light that you could see was the light in the headlights. And Gracie literally said, Dad, this is spooky. <laughs> She's like, what are we gonna do? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. This, thing, this thing's gotta be messed up. And so I remember going back to Google Maps to all of a sudden try to figure out what we were doing about the time I looked up. And as God is my witness, the front door of that old cabin went, woof. You could just see it move. You know what I did? I threw it in, I mean, I'm driving, peeling out. I felt like Dukes of Hazard, man. It was awesome. I drove so fast. Grace is like, where are we going? I was like, I don't know, but we're not staying here. You know, we're not dying in Stanton, Virginia, okay? The reality is, I listened to the wrong source. Because I listened to the wrong source in that moment, I went down a wrong path. It took us a long time, took us out of the way. We eventually got back to the road and we made our way safe where we need to be. But the reality is, is that not the way it is at times in our life? We know the good shepherd. We know the path. We know where he's leading us. We know where we're supposed to be. But so often we get distracted. We begin to lean upon our own feelings. We begin to lean upon our own emotions. We begin to lean upon what's popular. What's the scientific method say? What does my buddy say? What does the government say? We begin to lean into all these other things and we get off of the shepherd's path. I believe today God is calling many of us back to his path, the path of righteousness. Turn with me to Psalm 23. I wanna ask you if you're physically able to stand to your feet for the reading of God's word, if you would do so. We're gonna read the entire Psalm and then we're gonna come back to verse three and really spend our time here this morning. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Look back to verse three. Let's say it together out loud. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we praise you. We acknowledge today that you, Lord Jesus, are the good shepherd. Would you call us and would you draw us today that we might be in right relationship with you and walking the paths that you have for us, I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. The good shepherd's path. Today, ultimately, I'm asking you the question, do you know the good shepherd personally as your shepherd, and are you walking on his path? Are you following his direction and his leadership? I believe today, as we look at these two simple phrases, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. In those two simple phrases, there's much that God wants us to hear and to understand about the good shepherd's path. In order for us to understand the good shepherd's path, we've got to make sure we get right with him first. And so today I want us to look at three things about the sheep that gets on the wrong path and how God works and moves to bring us to his path. The first thing I want you to see this morning is this. It is the common problems of the sheep. The common problems of the sheep. Before we can discover the joy and fulfillment that comes from the good shepherd's path, we must recognize that all of us like sheep face common problems. Sheep are very rarely stagnant. In fact, when they become stagnant, it becomes a very unhealthy thing, as we'll see in just a moment. Generally speaking, sheep are constantly on the move. But the problem with that is this. As we move and as we go about our life, so to speak, it is easy for us along the way to stray and to wander and get off of the shepherd's path. That's interesting to me when you consider that Isaiah 53, Isaiah said this simple statement. All of us, like sheep, have done what? We've gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. I realize today that none of us like to think of ourselves like sheep necessarily. But the fact is, is that just like sheep, every single one of us at times, sometimes because of our selfishness, sometimes because of our sinfulness, sometimes because of the deceitful nature of our own hearts, or even the pressures of the world around us, the fact is we all like sheep are prone to stray. But there are some in the big C church who will say, well, if you know Jesus and love him, then you will never, ever sin and stray. That's not what God's word says. There are also some in the big C church who will say, if you love Jesus and follow him, you're never going to be discouraged. You're never going to be depressed. You're never going to feel overwhelmed by darkness. But if that's true, then please consider for just a moment who is saying this. This is David, the man after God's own heart. He loved God. Overall in his life, he sought to live for God and to please God and to worship God with his entire being. But let me ask you a question. Did he ever stray? Absolutely. Did he ever go his own way? Absolutely. Was he ever discouraged, overwhelmed by fear? Did he ever feel like the darkness was swallowing him and him lead a life of depression? The answer is yes, he experienced all those things. And yet with confidence, he would say, you, good shepherd, restore my soul. When David makes that statement, you restore my soul, what he is envisioning is a sheep that has become cast. Now, I realize the word cast, when you're referring to a sheep, is an uncommon word. Most of us, when we think of a cast, we think of a broken bone and of a cast that's used to kind of protect that bone so that it can heal But when a sheep is cast, we're not talking about a physical outward object. 
We're talking about something internal that is happening that is not only unhealthy, it is completely dangerous. Many of the times when we think about a sheep and we think about some of their dangers, no doubt we think about predators. What are some things that can attack a sheep? What are some things that might cost a sheep its life? We don't think about the internal things, but the truth of the matter is one of the most dangerous things that a sheep will ever face is what is happening internally with them, especially when they become calf. Let me try to explain it in the simplest way that I know how. Every sheep needs rest. Would you say amen to that? However, when a sheep lays down in a soft hollow of the ground, if they lay there so long that they begin to roll over just a bit, they're in a position where their feet are no longer touching the ground. And when their feet aren't touching the ground, they become fearful and they begin to panic and they begin to paw and to kick, which only makes the situation worse because they get further imbalanced. And as they get imbalanced, the gases in their stomach begin to build up. I know that's not glamorous. And as the gases in their stomach build up, it begins to cut off circulation to the extremities of their body, especially their legs. In other words, you've got a sheep that's laying there. Its center of balance is now off. Gases are building up and they're losing circulation to their limbs. In other words, when they're in that place, they're completely hopeless. There's nothing that a sheep can do to change their situation. There's nothing that a sheep can do to regain the circulation to its legs. There's nothing that a sheep can do to roll itself back over and stand up and just go about its merry way when they are in that unhealthy state. In order for a cast sheep to be rescued, it demands the care of a gentle and gracious, proactive shepherd. Why is that important? It's important because what David is describing here David is envisioning a cast, hopeless, and helpless sheep that needs to be restored. It's interesting when you consider Psalm 42, verse 5, listen to how David describes his own spirit within him. He says this, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Verse 6, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Verse 11, he says it again. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? So clear is this word cast that often in the English language, we translate it as the word despair. It's literally describing someone who is hopeless. They're in a helpless state. They see no light. They see no hope. They see no opportunity. They see no joy. There's nothing for them. They're just laying there in their pit of despair. Well, what is it that leads a sheep to becoming cast? There are three primary things that lead a sheep to becoming cast. And the reason it's important is because many of us like sheep have experienced the same things. What are these three things? I'm going to try to say them as quickly as I can. The first common problem of sheep that lead to them becoming cast is the problem of comfort. The problem of comfort. Let me ask you by show of hands, how many of you like to be comfortable? I imagine we all do. We choose clothes, we choose shoes, we choose so many things based upon our comfort. You might have chosen where you're gonna sit in the worship center today based upon your comfort. We all like comfort. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem though with comfort is simply this. When comfort becomes the primary driving focus of our life, we are putting ourselves in great danger. You may not realize this or not, but sheep also like to be comfortable. They don't just lay down anywhere. They lay down where the grass is soft. 
They lay down where there's small hollows in the ground. Even still today, if you were to go look at the sheep in our field, you would find that they generally like to lay down in the lower part of the field because that's where more water erodes and so there's some softer pockets there. And they'll go down there and they'll lay. There's nothing wrong with that. But where it does become wrong is this. If they lay there too long, valuing their comfort more than their purpose, they will lay there so long that the gases begin to build up. Their balance gets off. And by the time they begin to roll over to get up, they suddenly realize, wait a second, I can't do it. The reality is, is that in our own life today, there are times that we value our comfort over the purposes and the will of God. Philip Kettler said it this way, in the Christian life, there's a great danger in always looking for the easy place, the cozy corner, the comfortable position where there is no hardship, no need for endurance, no demand upon self-discipline. I realize today none of us want to live a hard life. But we must honestly admit life is hard. Sometimes the, she the shepherd's path, the place that he's leading us on, it's not easy and it's rarely glamorous. It's not the thing that we would just naturally, hey, absolutely, that's what I want to do. But it's often in going through that path, it's often sometimes in going through those valleys and going through those difficulties that in those moments, the shepherd draws us close and the shepherd assures us of his presence. It's in those moments that the shepherd reveals things about him that we would have never known otherwise had we not gone through the difficulty of that situation. Our comforts often lead us to becoming cast. Let me illustrate that in a very practical way. Several years ago, as I was pastoring, there was a young couple in our congregation. I say young couple, a young family. They had children, and I remember the Lord had blessed them. They had good jobs, and they made good money, and God began to really burden them about ministry. And so they, they applied for a ministry position with a nationally known ministry. If I said the name right now, everybody would know exactly the name of this ministry, but for sake of internet and who's watching all this stuff, I'm not going to go into that. They applied for this position, and I remember them coming to me and said, listen, would you pray for us, and would you give us a reference, and would you just you know, kind of shepherd us through the season? And so I remember doing that, and they, they flew out west, and they went through the interview process, and, and it was weeks of interviews and all these different things, and finally, they found out of all the hundreds of couples that had applied for this position, they were chosen to accept this position. But, but there was a problem, and the problem was, in their eyes, a financial problem. I remember in that moment that the ministry came to them and said, listen, here's what's going to happen. Here, as you said, step of faith. They were going to have to make some sacrifices. They both had great jobs, great paying jobs, and frankly, they had gotten comfortable in their way and level of living and spending. And so they prayed about it. They came to me and asked for advice, and, and I told them about the, the importance of obeying the Lord and trusting him and walking in faith. But after they prayed about it for a few weeks, they came back and they, they refused the position. They declined it. And in the moment, the reason they declined it was because if it was God's will, it would be easier. If it was God's will, it wouldn't demand so much of a sacrifice. And I remember that. I remember a few years later when he called me because frankly, after that moment, they became discontent. They became restless. Two years later, he called me to tell me that his job, that he had found his identity in, giving him a 30-day notice, they were letting him go. Over the months that followed, he began to realize not only did he find his identity in his employment, but he found his security in his financial status. And as a result of that, he felt like a great failure in life. Truth is, he wasn't a failure in life. He had just failed to be obedient to the Lord's call on his life. 
And I remember in that season of life over the years that followed, he began to isolate from people and he began to walk into a place of discouragement and depression. He began to reject the things of the Lord. And frankly, he got bored in his marriage and I will never forget the day he called me and said, listen, we need to talk. Four years removed from that situation to finally confess that he was in a full-blown emotional affair, his wife had had enough of it, the marriage was ending, and he was wondering what went wrong. Please understand, I'm not saying that is the inevitable outcome when you choose your comfort over God's will. However, every time I have thought of that couple, it has been a reminder to me that we must always say yes to the will of God, not our personal comforts. It's costly and dangerous when we choose our will over the will of God. The problem of comfort leads us to become cast sheep, and it did in his life as well. Knowledge of the problem of comforts, there's also the problem of entanglements. Sheep are not the cleanest animals on the farm, okay? Sheep will do natural sheep things and they walk through the fields and they lay down in the fields and as they do in their wool, they begin to acquire things. Saying that as nicely as I can. As they lay down, as they do their normal behavior, they begin to get mud in their wool, they begin to get sticks in their wool, they will get briars in their wool, yes, they will get manure in their wool. All of this stuff begins to to build up. In fact, if a shepherd is not keeping diligent watch over the care of the sheep's wool, it's going to lead them to becoming cast. The reason that happened is because as their wool gets thick and their wool literally grows and all this other stuff is coming into them, eventually when they begin to lay down, because they are now imbalanced externally, it becomes very easy for them to roll over and get into that place where their feet are on the ground and aren't on the ground and the gas begin to build. It's a very natural process. Why? Because they begin to bring in entanglements. The truth be told in our own life, we have a fallen sinful nature. That's why nobody had to teach us how to sin. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And even the best of us, as we walk this world, we begin to get tripped up along the way. I assure you, if you were to walk to my, go to my house right now and walk in our little field, you're gonna get some stuff on your feet. When we walk throughout this world today, along the way, even when we love Jesus and live for him, the fact is there's gonna be struggles and there's gonna be temptations. And along the way, there are gonna be some mess that takes place. There are gonna be some sins that occur. And the reality is God looks at us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, and here's what he says. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Just like Hebrews 12 says, now listen, these weights, sometimes they're not even bad things. They can be good things that are overwhelming us, but then there's sin as well. All these things that entangle us, the Bible says literally, let go of those things, cast those things off because they're gonna weigh you down and they're gonna make you cast. And that's why the shepherd, when he realizes the nature of the entanglements of the sheep, he's he's gotta bring the sheep close. He's gotta restrict its movements. He's gotta take a blade or shearers, and he's got to begin to shear away all the mess, all the clutter, all the entanglements that could cause the sheep to be unhealthy. Can I say to you that no doubt in the process of taking care of sheep, that is the most painful process. It's painful for the sheep, it's painful for the shepherd. It's painful for the sheep because even though it's for their good, even though all the stuff getting off of them is gonna make them feel a whole lot better and they're gonna be at peace and satisfied, the truth is they don't like it. 
They don't like to be in that place. They don't like to be held down and restricted. They don't like it, and as a result, they'll kind of resist it, and they might paw, and they might kick, and every time they do, it leads to cuts and nicks and bruises along the way. But it's painful for the shepherd. Anybody ever wrestled a bear? If you haven't, try to shear a sheep and tell me how you feel afterwards. It's exhausting. You feel like you wrestled a bear. The point is, it's absolutely necessary in order for the sheep to be in a healthy place. There's this beautiful thing that happens when you're shearing a sheep and you're taking care of the sheep, getting rid of its entanglements. The shepherd will speak like tones that are stern and terms of rebuke, like be still, don't move, don't kick, you're gonna hurt yourself. And at the same time, there's such a calm and a compassion like, it's okay. You're gonna feel better after this. It's gonna be better after this. There's this beautiful picture of sternness, but also grace and compassion. It's a picture of Psalm 51 when David cries out and says, Lord, purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. But listen to this statement. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. What a beautiful picture of the kindness and the correction of the good shepherd. There's a third problem that leads a sheep to become cast and that is the problem of inactivity. It's easy for us to understand how a sheep becomes cast by all the external weights and the debris and the things that they take on themselves along the way. But there's another way that they can become cast, frankly, that doesn't even appear dangerous. And it happens when a sheep becomes idle. Now, to be clear, there's no sheep that's ever not doing anything. They're always doing something. But the picture here is of a sheep that knows where to find the food. It goes there to find the food, but never leaves the place of eating. In other words, it envisions the sheep that comes to the, the hay feeder, or he comes to the place of grain. The shepherds there feeding, and the sheep comes to get its blessing, so to speak. And then as other sheep come, it bucks them away, and it will eat, and then it lays down right there until it's time to eat again. In other words, because it becomes inactive, it begins to get fat and lazy and unhealthy. Eventually, it will lay down in that place and it won't be able to get back up. In other words, it describes the sheep that is a consumer of the field and not a contributor to the flock. And those sheep that get to that place physically, so to speak, they begin to have much more health problems Believe it or not, they have social issues because they start trying to dominate everybody else and they have many more problems as it relates to reproduction. Some of pastor, how in the world does that affect us as Christians? It affects us in this way. How many of us come regularly for the purpose of getting our meal, receiving our blessing, without thinking how God might use us to minister to someone else, to be a blessing to someone else. How often do we come, oh God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, without looking at God and saying, God, how might I serve you so that someone else can be ministered to, so that someone else can be fed? God, how might I be blessed as opposed to God, how might you work through me to be a blessing to someone else? So I think oftentimes in the church, we wanna grow in the Lord, praise God. We wanna be fed well. Praise God. But it's not merely about how we're being fed. It's also about how the good shepherd might work through us to contribute to the health of the entire flock. 
The picture here is literally of a sheep that is basically just coming to be blessed and then they're sleeping and they're standing to be blessed and then they're sleeping, they're standing to be blessed and then they're sleeping when the reality is a healthy sheep will be going and working and doing. They're not merely consuming, they're also being productive and they're contributing to the ultimate good even of the rest of the flock. Brings about a question, doesn't it? Are we consuming or are we also contributing? Are we taking it in or are we also allowing God to work through us by serving him? We were never meant to just eat and sit and sleep. It'll lead to unhealth every single time. And so the reality is, is that these are ways that a sheep can become cast. If you're still with me, we just say, all right. Number two, all right, that's how a sheep becomes cast. But the second thing I want you to see then is the compassionate pursuit of the shepherd. This is so powerful. When David says, my soul was cast down within me, he doesn't just say, oh man, I was deep in despair. He doesn't leave the story there in that hopeless state. No, he goes on to describe to us his focus on the good shepherd. Psalm 42, verses five, verse six and 11. Every time David cries out about the cast down, despairing nature of his soul, listen to what he says in verse five. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Listen to this statement. Hope in who? The government. That's a dead end every time, okay? Uh, Hope in your pastor. Hope in your spouse. Can you think of all the substitutes we put in that place? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verse six, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I will remember you, he says. Verse 11 again, he says it. Why are you cast down within me, oh my soul? Why are you disquieted? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. David was quick in that place of being cast down to turn his attention to the Lord. Why? Because he understood the compassionate pursuit of the good shepherd. What does a shepherd do A good, caring shepherd, what does he do when the sheep are cast? Three things he does. Number one, very simple. He looks for the sheep. Profound, right? If you, a shepherd is constantly looking for the sheep. I realize today that many people think about counting sheep. The old illustration of the cartoons were, if you can't sleep, you need to start counting sheep, right? That sounds funny, but the truth is, as a shepherd, you're constantly counting sheep. When we were in Christiansburg and we had our, <clears throat> our meadow of like four acres where the sheep were down in the meadow, our house sat on the edge of a hill and the edge of that living room had a massive like picture window. It was beautiful. And you could go to the edge of that window and you could look out and see all the sheep and you could count them. But we lived there long enough that we had planted some evergreen trees and by the time we left there, those trees were so tall that I couldn't always count the sheep. Wasn't a good idea to put them there, but some people don't learn until it's you know, too late, but... I remember numerous times looking at trying to count the sheep and I couldn't see them all. So when that would happen, I'd run out the front door and I'd go to the edge of the hill and I'd start counting them. And if I ever noticed one was missing, everything stopped. The kids, myself, Heather, everyone, we're all out trying to make sure we find the sheep. Why? Because a shepherd is constantly looking for the sheep. It is a beautiful picture of the good shepherd who looks for the sheep that is lost. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, what do you think? 
If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? Luke 15, the parallel passage of scripture says literally, he goes after the sheep who is lost. In other words, the good shepherd doesn't look at us in our cast state and say, well, serves them right. They went their own way. They deserve it. They knew better. They knew, what were they thinking? Stupid sheep. that's what I do, but that's not what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd looks for the sheep. But not only that, the good shepherd lifts the sheep. A cast sheep laying out in the field is completely hopeless, completely vulnerable to a predator's attack, completely helpless for standing up on its own. So the good shepherd looks, that's the first thing, but he doesn't end there. He searches diligently to find that sheep. And then when he gets to that sheep, he will literally stand over that sheep and he will lift that sheep. Why? Because a cast sheep cannot stand on its own. Remember, its circulation is cut off. It's literally in a completely unhealthy state. And so the shepherd doesn't just look, he looks for the sheep and then when he finds it, knowing the sheep can't stand on its own, literally the shepherd will straddle that sheep and he'll reach down and he'll pull that sheep up. He's lifting it, why? Because it can't lift itself. I find that illustration so powerful when you consider Luke 15, verse five, when he speaks about the good shepherd who went and found that one lost sheep, he says when he is found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. How did the sheep get on his shoulders? Because the shepherd lifted him up. I find that very interesting when you consider Psalm 40, verses one through two, David, who knew what it was like to be in that place of despair and be in that place of sin, he knew what it was like to be in that place of hopelessness. He cried out, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. You may be here today and you might feel stuck in your sin. You can't overcome that past. You can't overcome that addiction. You can't overcome that. You look to the shepherd. The shepherd can lift you up out of that mess. The third thing he does is this. The good shepherd in that moment loves on the sheep. In other words, in this moment, it's not a time for rebuke. It's not a time for sternness. By the way, can I tell you, Christian, when, when a prodigal comes home and repents, it's not a time for you to cast arrows. Remind them of how foolish it was. The Holy Spirit convicted him in that moment. He's already done his work. You don't have to play God. The shepherd comes to that sheep. And the shepherd picks that sheep up. And he holds it for a while. And then... As best he can, he begins to massage the legs of those sheep, trying to get the circulation back. After the circulation begins to come back a little bit, he begins to kind of move the limbs. What's he doing? He's trying to get the sheep healthy enough to stand on its own. And then in love and in care, the shepherd begins to back away a little bit. And the sheep will take a few small, slow steps. But guess what? It demands patience. You know what the sheep normally does? He staggers for a while. He doesn't walk straight immediately. In fact, he may fall again. And when he does, guess what the shepherd does? He comes right back and he starts it all over again. Can I just be blunt? It it may take minutes. It may take hours 
Frankly, after a sheep becomes cast, it can happen repeatedly over a period of days. It takes the constant care of the shepherd, continually picking up, continually picking up, continually picking up in order for the sheep to be restored to health to be able to walk the way it was intended. It is a powerful picture of the unfailing faithfulness and patience of God in restoring us astray and wayward sheep. Do you need to be restored today? I think of that, I don't know that we'll have time for the rest of the message, but as I think of that, I cannot help but to think of an illustration that I saw in my life growing up on that little farm in Alabama. There are a lot of memories of my father that are not good. But there is one memory that I have of him with the sheep that will forever be ingrained in my mind as an image of the compassion of the good shepherd. I remember one day we came home and it was afternoon. I don't know what day of the week it was or anything like that. And most of the time I was responsible for taking care of the sheep. But on this particular day, we got home and my dad saw something that just bothered him. Something looked off. And so he ran out into the field and I'm sure he's counting the sheep, but he suddenly realized like one of our lambs, like, I mean a little lamb, like a few months old maybe, was missing. And my dad runs through the field and he runs to the edge of the field and he, he sees something in the distance. He gets there and, and he was on the other side of the barn. I couldn't see him, but I remember him hollering my name. And so I ran into the field as quick as I could. And as soon as I get there, I see my dad holding this little lamb. And I don't know what had attacked it, but it was bloody and it was messy. And it was, I still remember like, it was a pretty graphic situation. And I remember my dad like just barking orders like, run to the house, get rubbing alcohol, grab towels, get your mother's sewing kit. I didn't know she had a sewing kit. I run into the house. Mom comes out bringing all this stuff, rubbing alcohol, towels, sewing kit. And I remember as my dad took that bottle of rubbing alcohol, I mean, this, this lamb was torn to shreds. And I remember my dad taking that alcohol and pouring it all over these wounds. And, and honestly, the sheep was so almost lifeless, it didn't even respond. And then my dad took that sewing needle, put thread through it, and literally began to sew up. I had never seen my dad sew anything. He began to sew up all the cuts and wounds of this little lamb. We got done. I think he had my mom hold the lamb for a moment. My dad goes over to the barn. He makes this little makeshift small area. He goes and he, get, he, gets, he catches the ewe, the mama of this lamb. He puts the ewe in this little area, gives him some fresh straw, puts the lamb in there. And I'm t- this lamb is basically just laying there. Couldn't stand up, couldn't do anything. And I remember every day for the next several, several weeks, my dad would go out there, check on it, check on it. Three weeks later, this lamb is standing on its own. A few weeks later, it's eating grain. We probably kept it in that little area for three weeks. Then we moved it to a little bit smaller pen. Probably about the three-month mark. I'll never forget the day my dad let, it, dad let it out to go to the rest of the flock with the sheep. The reason I remember it is because 
I remember that lamb ran to the rest of the flock. And it, it was amazing. This, this lamb was as good as dead if it hadn't been for the compassion and the care in that moment of a gentle shepherd. It was really crazy cool. It was about a year later we found out that little lamb was pregnant with its own lamb. It was a beautiful picture. And even still today, in spite of the flaws that I saw with my dad's life, the fact of the matter is, is that in that moment, it was his compassion and care that restored that lamb to health. And the fact of the matter is today, when we realize that Jesus is a good and compassionate shepherd, we realize the depths to which he can restore us from. The final thing I want you to see this morning is the constant path of the shepherd. It's only after we have been restored to a right relationship with the shepherd that we are free to be able to walk in his path. You restore my soul and you lead me. The word lead here means to lead gently, not by force. He's leading us. He's calling us. He's pleading. He's leading us forward by example. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Two things about those paths. First off, we must be still to see his paths, but we must also submit to his paths. When it says he lead me in paths of righteousness, the word paths here literally means the well-worn paths. It is the ruts, the tried and true proven paths of righteousness, which bring glory to God and bring, frankly, brings fulfillment to us. The tried and true paths of righteousness that brings us to that abundant life. That's the path that the shepherd is leading us on. But, but can we just be honest and acknowledge today that we have a struggle with that path? Not because there's anything wrong with the shepherd or his path, but because we're so easily busy and we're so easily distracted and our focus on him is easily choked out by all the cares and pursuits of the world around us. We tend to lose sight of those simple tried and true paths of righteousness. And in the process of that, we find ourselves unfulfilled we find our lives being lived for our namesake and not for his namesake, for his glory and praise. As a result of that, we find ourselves empty. Two weeks ago at our house, we've been doing some things differently in our, in our yard and Heather's wanted to do some things different with a garden. And basically she was describing what she wanted to do with this garden and I'm kind of trying to figure out exactly what she's saying. I'm trying to live with my wife in an understanding way which meant I had no clue what I was doing. And, and so as she's telling me what she's wanting to do, I'm realizing, okay, so you're wanting, to, you're, wanting to fit, you're wanting to basically break out a section of the sheep field. This is how you want to do it. This, is this right? Yes, I think that's right. I'm okay, okay. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go hop on the mower and I'm going to cut this area of the field so you can see it and we can make sure we're on the same page. She said, that sounds great. I hop on the mower. I literally take the blade of the mower as low as I can cut it. So we've got this, I just told you last week, this thick green grass, you know, thick as it can be. And I go, and I'm like butchering this section of the grass. I'm trying to kill it so we can see what we're looking at. So sure enough, I, I go over this area and I, you know, Heather comes outside and she's looking and she's, she's walking in the field with me and she's, she looks and she's like, what, what are all these paths? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, what are all these trails? From the house, when you look out in the field, all you see is the thick green grass. Even when you're standing at the fence, all you see is the thick green grass and some weeds along the way. 
But when I mowed it down, all of a sudden you could see, I mean, very clear, worn out paths. And no sooner did she ask that, she said, did the sheep do this? And I said, yeah, yes, sweetheart, this is the sheep. She said, why, why did they do this? I said, Heather, look at where the trails are going. She paused. They're different, I mean, different trails. I mean, almost like little roads. And she looked and she realized they're all going to the water trough. And I asked her, I said, why is that? She said, it's because they're going there to drink water. I said, that's exactly right. I said, isn't it amazing? From our house, you can't see any of these trails. But these sheep know exactly where to get to their source of refreshment. And as they've gone down those trails, those tried and true paths, they found every single time the refreshment that they need, that the water has been unending. You know, the reality is in the midst of our life, there's all kinds of weeds and all types of grass and all types of distraction and all sorts of clutter and all these different things. In order for us to know the shepherd's paths of righteousness, we must be still to see his path, but we must also be willing to submit to his path. The good shepherd leads us gently. He comes alongside of us. He calls us by name. He shows us the path of righteousness and abundant life. But we must be willing to yield and to follow. Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says it plainly. Pastor Michael would appreciate this. This is the verse that the Lord gave him on sabbatical a few years ago. It says it this way. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Listen to what God promises, and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody here need rest for your soul? You need the peace that comes from being in a right relationship with the shepherd. You need the refreshment that comes from a daily walk with him, the abundant life that is available only through Jesus. You'll find peace for your souls. Listen to the hard heart of the people of Jeremiah's day. But they said... We will not walk in it. You know what would happen? Sheep can't talk, but do you know what would happen if my sheep looked at me and said, we're not following your path. We're not, we're not following your path. I don't care if it leads to fresh water or not. We're not gonna follow your path. You know what would happen? It'd get off the path. And in getting off the path, it would not find refreshment. It would not find fulfillment. It would not find life. But it's in following that tried and true path every time they find all that they need. Thank God for a good shepherd who looks after us, comes to find us, restores our soul, and then he leads us in passive righteousness for his glory, for his name's sake. Are you on his path? Are you following him? Are you being refreshed by him? If not, you sure can be today, and I hope you will be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and lives. Thank you for convicting us of sin. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. Thank you for the powerful picture of being mended, being restored, being healed. I pray, Lord, I'd never forget that image in my mind. And I pray, Lord, that it always be a reminder 
times that you've sought me, you found me, you cleansed me, you healed me. Lord, there's some here today who have not known that healing. They've not known that forgiveness. They've not known that cleansing. Lord, maybe there's some today who, frankly, they're dealing with the sting of sin. They're dealing with the sting of your word convicting them today. God, I pray today you would show them that sting is to draw them to repentance so that they might be forgiven and cleansed and made whole. So God, would you have your way right now? Lord, you tell us in your word, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you cleanse us today? Lord, there's some of us today who we've been distracted, maybe even deceived by our own hearts. We're not on your path any longer. God, today, would, we, would you draw us back? Would we return to you? the shepherd and the guardian of our souls. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.